Welcome to the Scientific Sense podcast, where we explore emerging ideas from science, policy, economics, and technology. My name is Gil Epen. We talk with world's leading academics and experts about their recent research or general areas of topical interest. Scientific Sense is an unstructured conversation with no agenda or preparation. We cover a wide variety of domains where new discoveries are made and new technologies are developed on a daily basis. We are most interested in how new ideas affect society and help educate the world how to pursue a rewarding and enjoyable life rooted in science, logic, and information. We seek knowledge without boundaries or constraints and provide unedited content of conversations with researchers and leaders who love what they do. A companion blog to this podcast can be found at scientificsense.com and this podcast is available on over a dozen platforms and directly at scientificsense.net. If you have suggestions for topics, guests, and other ideas, please send them to info at scientificsense.com and I can be reached at gil at epen.info. My guest today is Professor Bod Selman, who is a professor of computer science at Cornell University. He is the incoming president of the Association for the Advancement of Artificial Intelligence, the main international professional society for AI researchers and practitioners. Last year, he uh, co-chaired a national study to determine a 20-year roadmap for AI research to guide US government investments in AI research. Professor Selman was previously, previously at AT&T Bell Labs. He has authored numerous publications and has won many awards. Welcome, Bart. Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I want to start with artificial general intelligence, AGI, and then go into some specific areas that you are, um, you are very, uh, very involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we are born with a, with a machine, the brain, uh, with 10 to the power 11 neurons and 10 to the power 14 synapses approximately in a very messy wiring configuration, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes with a good operating system, uh, but with few apps initially uh, and is powered at approximately 20 watts. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's given an expected 10 to the power nine seconds of processing time during its life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems to do uh, some very interesting things <laughs> during this time. Uh, are we getting any closer to replicating it? Um, I, th- I think we're, we're definitely getting closer. So um, th- there, there have been some big breakthroughs, especially in the last roughly five to seven years, uh, um, concerning uh, an area called deep learning, where, where basically uh, you mimic, in some sense, uh, the ideas behind the, you know, the, the concept of a neural net, but yeah. in a very abstract way. Uh, and, and it has been shown, in, in, which was a surprise to the AI community, that if you have enough data about a particular task, so think of computer vision or uh, speech recognition, um, where you can have incredible amounts of data, images labeled with what's in the image, uh, and you give hundreds of thousands of images to a, a deep learning system, uh, you can actually train and get a performance out of the system that compares to human visual capabilities, at least in certain domains. For example, face recognition, uh, machines are now better at face recognition than they're called superhuman um, compared to humans. So there, there have been you know, sort of surprising breakthroughs and researchers had actually not expected these developments. Yeah. Uh, and this has, has tremendously accelerated the field. Now, what you were referring to with, with uh, AGI's, uh, artificial general intelligence, right. is, is the, uh, the ability for the brain to, to handle so many different kind of tasks and situations, the enormous flexibility our, our mind has. 
Um, that has not been uh, reached. So, so what we're seeing is we're seeing specialized systems, um, for example, machine translation, uh, fairly good machine translation between pairs of languages um, and, and sort of remarkable performance. Uh, yeah. But but all these breakthroughs so far have been on on specific tasks, um, and and we haven't quite we haven't quite reached the more general level of intelligence that we we see in humans. Um, I actually think it's, it's sort of one of the the, the remaining big open challenges. Uh, but given the progress that was made recently and the enthusiasm and the investments in AI. Yeah. Um, we, I suspect that we also in the next 10 to 20 years are going to tackle this general intelligence. Uh, you started off by, by mentioning the capacity of the brain in computational terms. Um, that is now being uh, getting in the next five to 10 years for about a thousand dollars, roughly US dollars. We, we should be able to, to buy that level of compute power that, that is roughly the power of the human brain. So, so we're getting close in that compute power, that data processing abilities. Um, and I think with the with sort of the enormous push in, in, in AI at this time, uh, we will see sort of these general intelligence capabilities also emerge. Yeah. So one criticism um, of, you know, the deep learning developments that we've had last 10, 15 years mm-hmm. uh, is that um, the, the hardware, uh, again, from an AGI uh, context, mm-hmm. the hardware of the brain appears very different from conventional computing. And the question is, you know, can we actually simulate, and simulation is not really a good way to, to understand something, but can we take conventional computing infrastructure and regardless of its power, be able to uh, get closer to what the brain does, um, you know, just by software? Or do we need some very different hardware innovation that needs to come through? Uh, yeah, that's a very good question. So um, I, I'm I'm a computer scientist by background. Um, so so prizes or you know one of the you know I would say insights in computer science is 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 what we call levels of abstraction. So you start with machine language uh, assembler and yeah. uh, and all the way up to higher level programming language, object oriented programming. Um, and so we are very used in computer science to sort of hide the lower levels and, and build the next level up uh, without, I call it lossless abstraction. You actually don't lose any of the capabilities mm-hmm. uh, when you make these abstractions. So, uh, so even deep nets, uh, although they are sometimes abstractions of neural nets, they run in the end on digital hardware, on GPUs. Yeah. Uh, so in my view, actually, this, this simulation approach uh, is is working uh, surprisingly well, and and so uh, we will, you know, these deep nets actually, you know, run as fast as as, as actual neural nets. So so, I, I think keeping sort of a general uh, architecture, uh, maybe specialized in GPU versus CPU, which is matrix operations versus sort of more general computing. So some specialization, but not a whole lot. But keeping this general architecture. And uh, software layers, we we can simulate uh, uh, enough to 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 make things work. Um, I, I think a second sort of surprise is when people, you know, when they think of the brain, they say, well, the brain is this very messy, very complicated wiring, you know, evolved over over millions of years, uh, uh, starting starting with lower level animals. Um, yeah. So so the brain is this very complex thing. I think one of the surprises, at least to me as a researcher, um, is that this extreme abstraction that that computer scientists came up with and basically referred to early on as the perceptron, which is a very (laughs) simple compute unit, which is an extreme simplification of an actual neuroscientist would actually not doesn't really consider in the perceptron uh, anything like a neuron right. but then then it's the surprise that it was apparently uh, if you have enough data and, and a general learning procedure for adjusting weights um, it doesn't really matter whether you had the details uh, correct so so I don't think we need the full details of the brain mm-hmm. to represent to 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 capture its capability and and computer vision is sort of an example we don't really replicate the human visual cortex, but our performance of our deep nets 
uh, replicates their capabilities. So I, I think that's more the path we're on, yeah. where, where we get inspiration from the brain, but we don't need to really model it at its full detail. Yeah, so th I think that's an important distinction, right? So if, uh, if you think about AGI as, you know, sort of a machine that out of the box does not have a, a specific task programmed into it, or, or not specializing in something, but out of the box could be deployed on something that it can learn uh, anything mm -hmm. new. Yeah. Um, and learning in this context is used uh, very generally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's unclear if the machine is learning anything, but you know, it could compute yeah. and produce something that might be useful. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so I guess from a mechanistic perspective, um, we could reach AGI, uh, and I think it's an important distinction because we are not really trying to replicate the brain, I would imagine, right? Because we don't really have a theory of consciousness yet. Um, yeah. You know, we don't, I don't believe we really understand what the heck is going on in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, 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 you're very right. You're very right. And, and you know, it, it, this is, it's an interesting time because we're revisiting uh, some of these questions. In the early days of AI, there was a lot of discussion about whether AI was possible, what consciousness is, uh, uh, all, all aspects of, of creativity was also a topic. Can a, can a machine be creative? Yeah. Uh, can the machine truly understand? That was another uh, question. So, so these early questions of AI were were, were discussed in the abstract, often involving uh, philosophers, psychologists. Uh, that discussion went went away, and 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 basically people sort of went down to sort of more the technical side, and let's just produce a machine that can do something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and now we've reached a stage where machines are doing interesting things. And now some of these questions are going to come back. I, you know, can we get consciousness? Does does consciousness emerge out of complexity? Does creativity emerge, emerge out of complexity? Uh, for example, creativity, I, I know a little better. Yeah. And, and I, I look at, at sort of mathematical discovery, for example. Uh, we're starting to see glimpses of of kind of creativity emerging machines. Mm. Uh, in fact, if you look at, at something like AlphaGo or AlphaZero, which are the, the, the Go and the chess machines based on deep learning, right. uh, they are starting to make creative moves and, and actually have made creative moves that, that people say, wow, this is a new way of looking at the game. Uh, so I think we're starting to see glimpses of, hey, maybe when we reach a certain level of complexity, um, things like creativity will also emerge. Uh, now, consciousness is a whole other question, right. but um, but it's interesting that we're getting back to these questions now uh, because these systems are are finally reaching a level where, where these questions become relevant again. Yeah, so that's that's very interesting, Bart. So yeah, you know, yeah. if you define creativity as you know, sort of, if you if you run an infinite number of experiments on a problem, mm -hmm. you're going to find a new way of doing something, and we could <laughs> define that as creative. So as computing <laughs> resources increase, uh, yeah. we may find, like like you say, as complexity increases, <laughs> we may find. The machine is able to do a lot more experiments than mm -hmm. a human is, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, and and if that the number of experiments that could be run uh, increases mm -hmm. quite dramatically, then we mm -hmm. won't find a difference between human mm -hmm. creativity and machine creativity at that point mm -hmm. potentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's a potential uh, route. And uh, yeah, so so I call that sort of you know the performance measure of AI, where you just you just look at the result of the system. Uh, so in, in computer vision, you know, if it recognizes phases better, that they actually done experiments where they have 100 people or some group of people try to identify images, and we have a, uh, a deep net trying to re recognize the phases in the images and uh, and see that the machine is superior in that performance. So then, then purely at the task level, the machine outperforms uh, the humans, uh, even though the deep net is not doing the same kind of calculations that the visual cortex is doing. Right. Um, so what you're, what you're sort of suggesting, this could happen in creativity. We would see creative mathematics being created by machines, but the underlying process might be quite different uh, than the human brain. And of course, this is partly because we don't even know we don't really know how the human brain does these kind of things. So um, it would be hard to duplicate or it would, it's hard to duplicate and it's hard to actually 
even if we would accidentally duplicate to, to know that we did. So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one could uh, envision this as sort of a new species, right? So if machines really get AGI, really, uh, really, you know, we really take off in that arena, it, it yeah. might be that, you know, it might be considered a new species because the way mm -hmm. that they approach problems could be quite different. So yeah. it might add a level of diversity to society yeah. that might be beneficial, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, actually, sort of the, the way I I look at it is also, you know, when we think of intelligence, we we tend to think in human terms. That's the kind of intelligence we know. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. We know our own cognition. Uh, I think there could be whole different types of intelligence out there um, that that machines might might excel at and and bring in new dimensions of intelligence a good example i can think of is is you know we we are very much restricted in our thinking to sort of uh, at most three dimensions three dimensional things you can imagine yeah. when you start talking five dimensional ten dimensional our human brain actually can't handle it can't <laughs> that's actually, right yeah I can't actually think about it. Uh, so we, we can do some calculations, but it's all very painful. Right. Um, I see no reason why a machine could potentially not think five-dimensional, ten-dimensional without any effort. <laughs> so, right. um, so it may bring what I call non-human AI, uh, non-human artificial intelligence in the picture. And by working together uh, in sort of a collaborative manner, uh, this might greatly extend you know, the, what we can think about and what we, how we can understand the world uh, by having the machines and humans collaborate. So, yeah. uh, so it's, it's, uh, I like the, that view of it's sort of a diversity uh, issue that 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 could actually be quite quite interesting and and quite positive. Yeah, you know, it's um, thinking about higher dimensions. You know, one of the deficiencies we have is that to, to make it understandable, we need to map that back to our experiences. And yeah. uh, higher dimension, <laughs> it's a yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a prototypical case of this. So. And, you know, similarly, uh, perhaps, you know, certain certain aspects of physics, like quantum mechanics, mm -hmm. where we we still, you know, really haven't been able to fully appreciate, understand it. I mean, we have a lot of practical applications based on the theory, uh, mm -hmm. but um, you know, a lot of physicists say they don't really understand quantum mechanics. And mm -hmm. so so this is an interesting, um, interesting avenue for machines, right? They, they may yeah. understand it very differently. And, and I think, mm -hmm. you know, you had a lot of work in uh, machine reasoning, those types of approaches, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's sort of, sort of my main area is machine reasoning, machine inference. And, and there we're starting to see, indeed, the machine being able to, you know, chain together, you know, literally billions of small reasoning steps like the reasoning steps we make when we do something like mathematics when we prove a theorem we take little you know little inference steps to to get to our main results a human can do a few hundred steps uh, something of that order uh, a machine can do billions of steps yeah. uh, so we're starting to see machines uh seeing in some sense mathematical truths mm -hmm. um, that that the human brain can't quite see um, now, what, what's interesting about the latest results in this area is that we actually can write other pieces of other, other code, which we call proof checkers, mm -hmm. um, that can actually verify um, the, the billion step proof very easily. Uh, people can agree on, on the proof checker being correct as a correctness proof of the proof checker. Uh, and so mathematicians can actually start taking these new insights um, that the machine comes up with after a billion steps of inference and add it to their uh, mathematical truth. Um, and so the mathematicians can build on it further, the human mathematicians, even though certain facts are not, they could not themselves verify by hand or, or, or check. Um, so I, I think we really see there the complement of, 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 uh, of human capabilities. And, and, you know, I should mention the flip side, I mean, because you know, sometimes people think, oh, machines should be much better at mathematics than human mathematicians. <laughs> human, human mathematicians are still a million times better than machines at mathematics. Right. Uh, that, that's actually sort of one of those yeah, sometimes you think AI is very far and AI is going very fast and, and very um, progress is incredible. 
in in certain kinds of reasoning and in particular you know developing new mathematics and, and, and complex mathematical concepts um the progress is still very slow it's, it's, it's surprisingly hard for machines to do it mm. and that sort of brings out the human mind still has 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 capabilities that we do not know how to duplicate um and, and i see that in in my own area uh but again it, it there there is the the other kinds of proofs that the machines are super good at. Uh, yeah. and, and there are proofs that humans are very good at. Yeah, so some so, of the problems yeah. that um, you looked at, uh, Bart, you know, it seems that yeah. when there is a very large amount of data or complexity and there yeah. are simple heuristics hidden yeah. underneath that, yeah. um, it seems like there are approaches you can take with machines who might be able to do that without an exhaustive yeah. search of the design yeah. space, right? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. They actually, yeah, that's that's part of the surprise. So, so would you characterize it right? So, so these are these are statements where uh, where where basic inference steps, basic small steps can be can be taken to ultimately read to uh, come to a result, a final result. Um, but the machines can find that sequence of steps by not considering all possible sequences, just zooming in on very particular ones. And, and the machines are, are, are surprisingly good at that. I, I, in my class, I give an example of um, a proof that was on 2015 uh, of Erdos discrepancy conjecture. It was a mathematical conjecture uh, yeah. for discrepancy two. Uh, and it was resolved um, by a search program. And I think, I, I sort of said, you know, if you had to, um, had to draw the search, the full search tree, which you would naively say I would have to explore all possible proofs. It, it would be a, a larger than the, the number of nodes in that tree would be larger than the number of particles in the known universe. Right. So, yeah. so, it's, so it's used. Uh, on the other hand, the machine found the proof by only looking at about 10 billion mm. nodes. Mm. So, so, uh, so a minuscule fraction right. of the full proof. So, so that's the surprise. Um, now on the flip side, uh, we know that the human mind can do certain abstractions and changes in representation um, that we don't know yet how to how to do. So, so when a human mind matches, let's say, um, a theorem of geometry into an algebraic form or some other mathematical um, concept, the humans can make these jumps that that machines cannot really do at this point. Uh, so, so the human mind still has these abilities to 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 make connections between desperate and you know distinct areas of, of human knowledge uh, and map one result to another um, that that machines are still uh, far behind on uh, so that's sort of surprising yeah. yeah yeah and as we get better and better at this one of the fears uh, society has uh, is that the machine will make work obsolete um, but all through you know human history, I would think that humans were never very good at work, you know, <laughs> uh, if it is defined yeah. as predictable, repeatable activities. Um, yeah. So, you know, neuro, neuroscientists and generally yeah. medical um, professionals think human brains sit on an ADHD spectrum. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody has, you know, a bit of ADHD uh, and perhaps yeah. for evolutionary reasons. As mm -hmm. most of our history, we have been explorers and looking for new, mm -hmm. new lands and ideas. And yeah. only till very recently, you know, um, till the, you know, when the desk job was invented, you know, <laughs> we, we went to the, went to the work yeah. paradigm. So, you know, one could argue that work is not a good thing. It should, yeah. it, we should mm -hmm. really make it obsolete. What, what is your mm -hmm. view on that? I, I actually, I, I very much sort of agree with that view. Is that our, our notion of work will probably change. Um, that that if machines can do sort of the mundane the mundane work and in some sense you see the, the prime example you, you've seen some of that uh, the production of food i guess uh, you know two centuries ago or one century ago yeah. uh, you know 70 80 percent of people were involved in producing food right. <laughs> and, and now and now i think it's it's three or four percent of the population so so machines have enabled a very small group of people to produce uh, all the food we need yeah. um and and so i can see machines come and help do all the kind of you know 90 percent of all the routine work or 99 percent uh 
to to provide us with with a, uh, a a fairly high standard of living for everybody in terms of health care in terms of uh, food in terms of living uh, travel uh, and humans will be much more free yeah. to uh, to spend their time and and, and uh, uh, explore their their different directions and be creative uh, because there's there's certain in, uh, certain activity you may like art or movies or, or things that we would that we produce and, and often involve creativity that are very much related to human or even um, you know caregiving or, or being uh, part of social groups are very human activities uh, and and we'll just have more time for that and and so we we may actually have to shift um, to to that kind of society yeah. or a machines will enable us to do that uh, you know the big Concern, I guess, from an economics point of view, is is you know who who if we create large amounts of inequality, and that certain people are going to own the machines. That's that's a whole totally separate problem yeah. that needs to be addressed. Uh, but it's not uh, on the surface a bad development. So. Yeah. So uh, you know, in the long run, it can only be optimum if you have you know more advanced society with you know different policy uh, <laughs> perspective. You know, for example. Uh, universal basic income may become mm-hmm. a necessary thing in such a society, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And and so so you know, do you see um, that the policy aspects of this is really trailing um, the technology developments? And if so, that's going to create a problem, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. that you were involved in you know sort of a roadmap uh, for, for the U.S. recently. So, so what what are your thoughts on that? How how do we yeah. get over this problem? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's definitely there. There's this, this policy angle. Um, I, I'm I'm somewhat hopeful because you know people are starting to discuss these issues. Policymakers are starting to to uh, to understand these issues. Uh, you know, discussion about uh, universal basic income uh, is getting more and more attention. Um, so I'm 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 actually fairly hopeful that. Um, you know, society will uh, will develop you know policies and regulations and and um, uh, frameworks to make this transition to a more automated world happening uh, in a positive way. Now, um, you know, it could you know it could go wrong, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> and and I you know you actually do see differences in the U.S. and and. Europe and China actually. Uh, you know, one, one thing that surprised me about China is, is that, that it's. I've met people there who were much less concerned about AI than, than people are in the United States. And, yeah. and, and, and when I asked them about that, because I was surprised, is they, they, they would basically say, well, the government would have to find me something else to do. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's and, a safety net. There's a safety yeah, net. There's, a, realize, safe, there's yeah. a safety net, and right. they weren't that, that concerned about it. Um, and of course, in the US, that's a little different. So, so I think these issues have to be addressed. I, I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic because the you know, we see more discussion about it. Uh, and, and in terms of even inequality, um, you know, when things become so abundant uh, and everybody can have uh, decent health care, you just get, you know, an healthcare app and then you get your doctor, your personal doctor is an AI assistant. Uh, when things become really abundant, I, th- I think it may be the case that, that people will be willing to have everybody uh, access to that kind of health care, to give everybody access to that health- kind of health care because it's actually not that expensive. So, so I th- I, I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful that uh, with the technology actually developing, uh, it will be uh, will be shared uh, because it, it doesn't cost that much to share it. So, yeah. um, but this, this is the optimistic view. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm less optimistic about that part because you know no. if we look at levels, so we are in a society I would call sort of a level zero society, right? And mm-hmm. data tells us that. Uh, there is an inverted U-type relationship to happiness or utility in more broad terms. And mm-hmm. it max, it's maximum at 75K in the U.S., um, mm-hmm. or, you know, or 75K of income. Yeah. Uh, but there is nobody, uh, nobody's subjective function that stops at 75K. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they, they are spending all their time uh, yeah. to... 
to do things that that seem to reduce utility, uh, both individually mm-hmm. and for society as a whole. If you look out, look up, you know, environmental degradation and all sort of external yeah. costs uh, that yeah. the society is bearing. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, unless unless you know, we 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 almost need a step function change in societal design, mm-hmm. and I don't know how that would happen. Yeah. No, no. I, I think you're, you're raising a very good question. It, it, you know, I. I I sort of always, you know, because I'm from Europe, I sort of look at, at how Europe does. They they actually, you know, put less emphasis on work. I guess they you know, put more emphasis on the quality of life. I yeah. guess so. Yeah. Um, and you know, they have you know six weeks vacation, uh, you know, weekends off. Uh, they they actually sort of look at at the U.S. as like, why would you want to work two jobs? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And and so 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 I, I look at Europe as an existence proof that the society could actually decide. Wait a minute, um, maybe it isn't worse to work three jobs rather uh, take a vacation. So so I I could see that that that. Yeah, I think Europe sort of was an existence proof that it could be done differently. Yeah. Um, now, how how you could bring about that in society—that's a bigger question. It's a bigger <laughs> so, question, and then yeah, yeah. and then the yeah. you know the question is who decides um, what is fair, what is ethical, what yeah. you know how is the system governed and managed? You know, all those yeah. questions then become very important, right? Yes. Yeah. No, that's true. And uh, yeah. And right now, I guess you know things are not working done well <laughs> so <laughs> so, um, so there's a long way to go yeah yeah, yeah. i want but to, ai yeah. ai might help actually i, I think that's not one other thing ai could potentially help and it could help make businesses run better it could actually help organizations in sharing information better um there, there are actually things that ai could do i think that might actually help us understand each other better and and understand the rest of the world better so um that that's a potential positive aspect that AI could contribute to. Yeah, so, you know, um, things like the, the the investments that we have made in other areas like the human genome mm-hmm. um, or the Large Hadron Collider, Hubble Telescope, uh, mm-hmm. none of those actually, you know, when, when people say, you know, those are good things, um, well, they, they don't really have a direct impact on the masses, right? Yeah. Whereas here, a, a, an accelerated investment into AI would imply that mm-hmm. it is going to fundamentally change society. So it mm-hmm. is going to have a direct impact on yeah. individuals. And yeah. then the question is, you know, how do they react to it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what, what, what I think is a little unfortunate, the, the positive impact is, is, is often not sufficiently highlighted. So, so I, I think healthcare is probably the, the, the prime example. It's a, it's a very expensive commodity in the, in the United States. It's, 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 it's in many ways too expensive and, and, and hard to access for a lot of people. Uh, AI could really change that, uh, could, could really make it more accessible at a higher quality uh, for, for the average person. Uh, so, so I think what's important for for, uh, for a government or for policymakers to do is to actually highlight uh, these positive changes that that could happen uh, if if investments in AI are made properly. Uh, now, interestingly, these are not necessarily investments that companies would want to make. Like companies might want to get into AI healthcare for healthcare, but they would get into it for economic reason to make right, more right. profits. Uh, we could benefit as a country by saying, wait a minute, we, we could have everybody have an AI assistant. If you live in a rural area and you can't get to a doctor or a high-stakes hospital, uh, you can get an AI assistant give you a diagnosis that is comparable to a good diagnosis at a city hospital. Um, so so there are opportunities there. Um, the second opportunity, I think, is often the elderly care. So for people to live longer independently, some form of household uh, robot, uh, which basically provides in-home care. But in-home care is, is an expensive proposition and it's expensive yeah. to do with human resources. Uh, a, a robot assistant in, in, in some form uh, could really be a solution there. So, so I, I, you know, I'm sort of hope. I would hope that that people see sort of the positive opportunities there of, of really reducing the cost of certain kinds of services uh, that are now just too expensive for the average person. Uh, yeah. And that that would make a change. Yeah, I mean, home health is a very good example, especially yeah. you know if you get to a point that the yeah. 
the robot can actually learn and understand the individual. You know, for instance, yeah. uh, you know, simple things like medication compliance and things like that are yeah. are important, and you know, we are failing in in those simple yeah. things. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and and so the the research priorities that that you looked at uh, for the U.S. you mm-hmm. you kind of bucket that into three different areas. Part so you say mm-hmm. integrated intelligence, meaningful mm-hmm. interaction, and self aware learning. Uh, do you want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about uh, what those three buckets mean? Yes, yes. So the the first bucket, integration, is is really combining various uh, you know capabilities that have been developed now. So let's say computer vision, uh, speech, uh, and planning or decision-making. Uh, so, so these are different AI capabilities. Um, integrate them in, in a single system, in a robotic system, for example, that does perception, that makes decision, that helps the, if it's a caregiving robot that, that observes a human being and, and reminds the person of medication and, and, and looks for, for possible problems. Uh, so integrated intelligence is, is referring to that integration process. Yeah. And, and it's, it's necessary because AI has become very specialized. So, so there are people that, that spend their full career on computer vision, but don't actually think about decision-making and there are people yeah. on decision-making. So, so that's integration part. Um, the the second uh, aspect is how we interact with with machines. Yeah. Uh, so integration. This is very relevant to the integration society. Um, you know, one thing that that we have to come to grips with, and 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 will take some time, is for for us to understand the machines better, what they what their limitations are, what their capabilities are, and vice versa for the machine to understand uh, the human better. Um, and this may involve notions of trust, for example. You have to trust your caregiving robot <laughs> to do the right thing. Um, and and so so that's that human machine interaction. Uh, which, which you know, is only has been studied for the last few years. It has come up uh, because before that, machines were sort of separate robots, were separate, uh, uh, did not really uh, interact with people yeah. much. So now we are learning about the interactions. Uh, and an interesting question: you know, people may actually be. I see that a lot with the the, the voice assistants like like uh, Alexa or Siri or or Google Translate, where people. Oops, actually, that's my my, uh, my Alexa speaks up, um, <laughs> but but um, you know people often misunderstand yeah. what these systems understand. So so it's also an, an educational process for people to realize now these these, these systems have some uh, capabilities, some some intelligence capabilities, but other things they they really have no clue about <laughs> what's and going the, on. And the interaction yeah. there goes both ways, right? So I have mm-hmm. I have seen yeah. some experiments where you know, the human starts to develop empathy for the machine. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. any disassembling of the machine is, you know, is creating PTSD type yeah. uh, type issue for the human. So yeah. the, the the interaction question is really a pretty important one. I yeah, think. yeah. And, and no, it's a very important one. And I think, especially in my mind, it's because there's also a risk for, for sort of, uh, you know, abuse in the sense of, of the, you know, the machines, you know, the designer of the machines taking, you know, some sense of advantage of the fact that they know the human is going to show empathy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's going to buy, going to buy more things from, from Amazon because <laughs> <laughs> they feel they have to. So, so, so we have to watch out a little bit for that and we have to be aware that, that humans are really attached to, <laughs> to, yes. to, to machines and, and, and machines should not take advantage of us. So, yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah. and the and, third bucket there is, uh, you call it self-aware learning. Self-aware yeah. learning. That, that, that's a little bit of a, of a vague term, but, but basically it's referring like uh, machine learning has, is very powerful now and, and, and the deep learning shows that, but it's all what we call, you know, learning from labeled examples. That's actually the main thing. So you give, you give tens of thousands of images, each labeled with what's in the image, and you can learn from that. Uh, now, clearly that's actually not, you know, most of our human learning actually is not done that way. We actually, uh, when we go to school, we learn from textbooks, we learn from instructions, we learn when we reflect on how we solved the problem the last time, we, we think about, oh, what did I do wrong? And then we correct ourselves. So 
uh, human learning is 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 way more complex uh, than current machine learning, uh, and self-aware learning is is partly you know knowing uh, more about your own learning limitations, uh, your own strengths, uh, reflecting on your learning process, and uh, so we want machines to get some of those capabilities, and, and ultimately we want machines that, that do what we call lifelong learning. So your 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 personal assistant robot that, that does elderly care that that cares for a person in the house you want that robot to learn and, and observe and potentially change behavior when when the person the robot is caring for you know uh, gets a new complication or something uh, unexpected happens so so we want machines that are more aware of their learning process and and learn more like humans learn um, and, and that's quite different from the current learning uh, work yeah. yeah yeah are they going to play a major role in education in your view? Yes. Yeah, so, so that's that's I think one of the exciting. I'm myself involved in, in some education work, AI in education, uh, and and the most exciting work there I see is where an AI system collaborates actually with a human instructor. So there's still there's a human teacher in the loop because. You know, human component is very important. The social component is important in teaching. Uh, but the AI teacher can can tailor the curriculum more towards the, the particular student by by the AI system anal analyzes the strengths and, and and the weaknesses of the of the current students and adapts the curriculum and adapts the next exercises that should be done and the next uh, steps that should be taken. So so AI systems I think will 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 enable sort of a what we like to call a lifelong learning process where you might even have your individual AI teacher um, that will help you, you know, select, uh, you know, what skills to, or, or what fields to learn next uh, uh, and how to improve your, your capabilities, uh, but in a lifelong process. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me about um, in the mid eighties, uh, my graduate thesis was an expert system Mm -hmm. uh, that was used to uh, to build up design intuition in engineering graduate engineering students, and okay. the, and the idea was uh, there is a design problem. The student interacts mm -hmm. with the machine mm -hmm. uh, and makes a design choice, and the machine gives uh, a feedback to the student. Doesn't give an mm -hmm. answer, but gives yep. a feedback as to which direction to uh, to to head in that design space. Uh, yeah. to get to that uh, minimum cost position. And by repeated yeah. experiments, students were yeah. able to do that. Um, obviously, yeah. embarrassingly, yeah. <laughs> unsophisticated. Uh... Well, I, I think, <laughs> but, but I think it was an important first step. I, th I think we will see these systems, and actually there are people working on these kinds of systems as we speak, uh, and and what they're bringing in now is computer vision, so you can actually look at the drawing the student makes, uh, speech recognition, you can talk and, and hear the student. So I, I think this early, the early work showed, I think, the potential yeah. uh, uh, of that kind of uh, educational system. Uh, and uh, and now with the new capabilities we have, we can design much better ones. Uh, and and it, it, what, what always surprised me, there's often a threshold effect. I, I, I saw it myself fairly recently. I have I followed speech recognition for a long time and, and asking things to, to Siri or whatever. I always find them somewhat embarrassingly bad. <laughs> <laughs> Until like just a few months ago, I realized, hey, it's actually, now it's actually pretty good. So now I'm actually using it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I think the same thing for the tutoring system. When you worked on an expert system, yeah, it probably wasn't quite good enough to really be useful. Uh, but I could see that flip around uh, very soon. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, I, I, I interact with a, with a Chinese company, Squirrel AI, that does after-school uh, tutoring of mm -hmm. millions of students in China. Um, they have encoded the knowledge, what they call a knowledge graph of their K-12 curriculum with millions of, of, of facts and data points encoded in a, a large graph and, and, and they can track what students, which concepts they know and which concepts they don't know and then teach the missing concepts um, when they discover something is missing in the student's knowledge. So uh, so this, this field is moving fast in terms of education and, and what, what machines may be able to help us with. Yeah, the dark side of course is that when AI gets really smart, they might yeah. just keep the humans dumb enough <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So, 
<laughs> yeah. So the AI designers have to be have to. That's that's the AI and ethics angle. They yeah. they have to actually put some safeguards into the systems. Yeah. yeah, and just like any other technology, you know, the darker yeah. side is, um, you know, the uh, countries using it in war uh, situations. Yeah. So yeah. you know, smart weapons, and we are already hearing. Uh, many of those things in action already. Uh, what is your view? Um, you know, what is needed well, to assure we don't get into trouble? Yeah, so now that, that I think is a concern, and the AI community is, is trying to, is, is actually speaking up with, with, with motions and, 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 and proposals for the, for the uh, United Nations, for example, it, because it's a real concern that, that uh, you could develop, because, because AI is very much a dual-use technology. You can use it for good. You can use this face technician. Face recognition can be used for good to find missing children or something like that, and it can be used for bad. And, yeah. you know, um, so... Um, so we, and especially when it comes to uh, military applications, mm -hmm. uh, there, there are some clear risks there. Um, what we're sort of hoping is that, that nations will recognize that it is, uh, it is in nobody's benefit to actually encourage the development of certain types of, of weapon systems, like autonomous drone systems that fully fully automatically you know search their targets and, and, and try to take them out uh, you know there, there's some hope that, and, and when we we had a meeting at the White House with, with some people from the, uh, from the Defense Department yeah they actually realized that yeah there are actually certain risks that we, we there, there may be technology we, we simply don't want to develop uh, and we want to have agreements with other countries that we shouldn't develop those technologies uh, so again there I think sort of a, the first step is an awareness that yeah, there are certain paths that are not good for anybody because, you know, you can say, well, it's good if we have those systems, but when we have those systems, someone else will, will replicate that. So, um, so you have to sort of get an agreement of not to, do, not to design certain things. Uh, yeah. And, the, and, yeah. The, the problem, obviously, you know, with those types of agreements is that there's a game theory aspect to it. And yeah, they tend to yeah. be, I mean, we saw that in, in, uh, you know, nuclear weapons, uh, yeah. These agreements tend to be unstable, and then you know it takes off from there. So it's, uh, yeah. uh, I, I think um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but um, we probably need a a more robust worldwide policy making infrastructure for it to yeah. work. I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, more more agreements between groups of countries. Uh, yeah, and 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 uh, ways to enforce the agreements. I guess that's another yeah, yeah. another issue. Yeah, um, you know, the, the nuclear thing is 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 is, is an interesting example so, because I go back and forth. And that's actually positive. I mean, <laughs> we, we we haven't seen a nuclear war. <laughs> There's something something positive about it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So that's because uh, you know many yeah. countries have it. And they all know the the bad aspects of you know pushing yeah, pushing yeah. the button so to speak pushing the button yes, um, yes. Uh, but unfortunately it's a, you know in some yeah. sense it's an unstable equilibrium or all, all it takes is a as a madman uh, yeah, to enter yeah. one of those countries right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no that that's true that's true it's not a very stable situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, Sorry. so in conclusion, then, Bart, if you know, yeah. if uh, when you look forward five, ten years, mm -hmm. um, what's your speculation in in you know kind of two, three areas? One is where do you think we will be in AI, AGI, more generally from a technology perspective? And number two, um, you know, from a policy uh, perspective, what are the things that we are likely to get done? Uh, you know what things might be might be sort of open, uh, and then yeah. uh, the third one. You know, much more generally, do people you, in five ten years will the will the population in general understand the track the technology is on? I don't believe mm -hmm. it's it's really well understood today. So, so what do you see in yeah. the next five ten years? Yeah, yeah. No, so that's a very good question. So. Um... So I, I think what what we'll see is sort of a, a continued, uh, you know, acceleration sort of, of of you know, specialized applications. I would say so. Yeah. So narrow 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 scale applications, uh, um, including you know some form of self driving car or, or at least you know driver assistant transportation. Um, 
uh, some uh, hopefully progress in healthcare. Um, so, so people will benefit, you know, personal assistants that are better in, in, in communicating and doing things for you. So, so I think that that will accelerate, that will keep going and, and actually be, be further accelerated because of the large investments in, yeah. in, in the areas. Um, I think AGI will be further off. So that's definitely, in my mind, not in the next five to 10 years because there are some, uh, you know, some fundamental things we haven't quite figured out yet. Yeah. Uh, and, and that will take another breakthrough. Um, so policy making, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, that at least people are starting to understand better um, that AI can provide positive uh, benefits to society. I think, you know, that... Partly why why China is, is so gung ho on AI is is because they see it sort of as their next you know industrial revolution in some right. sense. So yeah. um, so and and so we might even look at at, at something like China and say, hey, yeah, you can really improve the, your your standard of living in your society by adapting more AI technologies. Um, I'm hoping that we don't have a, a backlash against it. That, that's a little bit of difficulty in the U.S. that people are, are so worried about mm -hmm. uh, the negative effects um, that they may want to stop the, the, these developments. And I think that would be a big mistake. That would right, be right. missing an opportunities, and other countries will run around us. They, they will, you know, they have they'll automate manufacturing. They will, you know, do things that, that we can't do anymore. Um, and so it would be very bad for a country to actually say, I'm, I'm not going to pursue this, this, this dream in some sense. Uh, I, but but I, I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic that, you know, since I don't think that AGI will, you know, AGI will not happen in 10 years. It's not yeah. even clear it will happen in 20 years. Um, so so it will be more these specialized areas where, where it really can help us. Uh, and and as long as it's limited to certain tasks, like a self-driving car, there is no real risk to that. I mean, it's just driving a car. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so as long as you can make it sufficiently safe, which is the, the key uh, requirement, it's going to be useful. Um, so so when we will see these emergence of, of you know translation systems, we can you know travel the world and and just have simultaneous translation when you talk to somebody in, in any country that you visit, uh, you both be talking your own language and you get simultaneous translation uh, via a little earpiece. That kind of technology, I think, will 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 be around. It's already almost here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so I'm hoping that people will see the the benefits and have their own personal health assistant. Um, and so that's what I'm hoping that 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 AI will be integrated in society. Uh, I am hoping that politicians become more informed about it, uh, uh, so that people in, in general start getting more informed about what the opportunities are, and then. There may be necessary to have some regulations. I think you know there have to be regulations of, you know, not one company having the whole market and, and those kind of things. So, uh, so that's maybe another requirement we need to put in place for AI technology. Yeah, especially on the raw material yeah. side. Um, yeah. You know, if one company yeah. is holding all yeah. the data, and this is a big issue yeah. for healthcare uh, as well. Yeah. That's um, that's a huge problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, okay. th this has been great, Bart. Uh, thanks so much for spending time with me. And okay, yeah. uh, good luck with, uh, yeah, yeah, with yeah, everything yeah. that you do. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much. It was fun talking to you. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.